The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now... Here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome in, everybody. Great to have you for the 78th episode of Biz Locker Radio. It's brought to you by the Business Locker Room and by our brand new sponsor, Rehearsal. And I'll talk to you more about Rehearsal in just a few minutes, but you're in the Business Locker Room. This is Biz Locker Radio. I'm your host. I'm Kelly Riggs. You can find me online at bizlockerradio.com, and you can find all our guests there, all our past shows and, of course, you want to do what I do. You want to go to iTunes. I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. But more about the show, the business radio show with compelling content and useful ideas that you can use today, the kind of conversations that we have on a weekly basis, some of the best information you're going to find anywhere in the business world that comes to you live. And, by the way, now, live on Blab, if you're listening in live on the radio on Voice America or if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you track us down Find us on Blab. You're going to go to blab.im forward slash Kelly Riggs. You'll find all of our shows that we've recorded on Blab, and it is really great to have you on board. In just a few minutes, uh, we'll be joined by my good friend Stephen Gaffney. He's one of the coaches in the business locker room, and he's going to talk about communication. But if you're looking to improve your business performance, whether you're talking about uh, sales or management or leading a company, strategy, social media, you name it. We've got experts in all of those ideas right here on Biz Locker Radio. So make sure you join us. And by the way, I mentioned iTunes. 77 episodes now in the can on iTunes. You can go on and find us, subscribe to it, do like I do, download it, listen to it on the way to your work, wherever your commute takes you, and you can listen to it over and over. Some of the guests that we've had in the past several weeks are just crazy good. Guys like Mike Weinberg, Trish Bertuzzi, um, Joe Polizzi from Content Management Institute was on with us, uh, Jeb Blunt, Fanatical Prospecting, and on and on it goes. Fantastic guests in sales and marketing and business, and it's all good. By the way, mentioned our brand new sponsor, Rehearsal.com. You know, it's been estimated that 80 to 90% of sales training has absolutely no lasting impact after 120 days. Most of that can be traced all the way back to practice and role play and those kinds of things. I grew up in an era where you were expected to role play. I'm one of the old guys. New, new people now, they don't like to do that. They don't like to do role play. But you can do role play on Rehearsal.com 
in the comfort and convenience of your office in front of your own computer. Absolutely fantastic product. Using it in my own practice and have customers that are using it as well. But it gives you the opportunity to make video recordings of best practices, train your people, coach them and mentor them in the communication tools and the communication ideas they use uh, in their everyday work life. Of course, we're going to talk about some of those today with my good friend Stephen Gafty. Stephen's been on with us a number of times. He's uh, one of the foremost experts in the business world when it comes to communication in the workplace. We've talked about communication, conflict, sales communication. Stephen, we, we've done a little bit of everything, man. Welcome back to the show. Great to have you on board. Thanks for having me. I, while you were doing the intro, I was trying to decide, glasses, no glasses, and then I realized I can't even see, so anyway, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having I'm, me. Yeah, I'm the ball-headed blur in front of you, man. <laughs> That's me. So we're talking to each other live. If you're on the radio, again, we're talking to each other live on Blab. We can see each other. Later in the show, my buddy from Seattle, Miles Austin, will join us. We'll do the X's and O's segment. Now, there's a lot of good things to cover with you today. But uh, as we do when we always bring you on board, Stephen, we talk about communication. And uh, I, as a little prelude to, to what we're going to talk about today, the myths of communication, I have yet to run into an organization, I suspect you're exactly the same way, that doesn't readily admit that they have boatloads of communication issues. Is that a pretty fair statement? Absolutely. There's always huge problems with communication. And people often think that actually, we're, as we're talking about communication myths, the first problem is that people actually think that communication even happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they think we're communicating, but in, in the uh, privacy of a boardroom where the executive team gets together and they do strategic planning, for example, one of the first things that will come out of our weaknesses is we don't communicate well. I mean, it's just such a pervasive problem, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what cracks me up is these companies do these surveys um, with employees. And you're thinking, well, what's wrong with that? But the problem is it always comes up that communication is the number one problem. So I, when they say, well, you know what, before we hire you, Stephen, we need to survey our employees. I said, let me save you the money and tell you what's going to show up. Communication. <laughs> and, and, you know, as one general in the military that I work with, he said, you know, no matter how well we work at this, it's always an issue. And I said, absolutely, because the biggest thing for us to realize is how challenging it is. You know, the number one problem, and you've heard me talk about this, is the biggest problem is not what people say. It's actually what they don't say to each other. It's what they leave out. And that's where you're saying, wow, I wish they would have told me I could have done a better job. I wish, you know, they would have told me this was an issue as an executive. You're saying, because I, I might have been able to fix this with a fraction of the resources that now I have to deal with it. So no matter what level, no matter what situation, whether it's the military I do work with, whether it's, uh, whether it's the, the corporate sector, whether it's uh, the retail market, hospitality, it's always communication is an issue. And people think, well, then what do you do about it? We well, have to keep working at it. Think about it this way. It's just like working out. You don't work out a few times and say, now I'm healthy. <laughs> I mean, it's constant. You know, you don't take a shower once and say, now I'm clean. You don't say, well, let me go eat. And now I'm, uh, you know, I've eaten enough for the rest of the day. No, it's something we constantly work at. And that's right. just like communication. Well, that's a great analogy. Stephen Gaffney is my guest. If you're joining us, just tuning in, you can find him at stephengaffney.com. It's with a V, Stephen Gaffney, G-A-F-F-N-E-Y.com. And again, as I mentioned at the top, one of the foremost experts in the country with regards to business communication, communication in the workplace, those kinds of things. I, I, I'm shocked. I mean, it, it's interesting. You, you talk to those executives they all admit that they have a problem, but if you really want to see people's eyes roll up in the back of their head, say, okay, so when are we going to fix it? And they'll look at you like, what? 
fix it? What do you mean? How do we fix it? And it's, it's, it's really interesting. People, people don't even have a plan to improve their communication, Stephen. Absolutely. And, and a lot of the, when they do put something forward, it's usually missing uh, one of three elements that are critical to the success of any training, any work you ever do, and even consulting. There are three things that need to happen. A mindset change, in other words, an attitude change, mm-hmm. a skill set change, which is the tactics about what to do, and a sustaining the gains type of change. And you know what I realized, Kelly, the biggest thing that people miss is the third element, sustaining the gain. So they'll hire you know, somebody to do, let's say, a speech or a session, um, and, and they forget to keep sustaining. And you right. have to really work at that. The, other, the second biggest problem is about the mindset. People give a whole bunch of tactics, but they don't change the mindset. So it, you have to have the mindset and the skill set. The easiest thing to do is to tell somebody exactly what to do. But we've all had this experience where somebody has come to us with a problem, and we've said, okay, here's what to do. And they go, thank you. This is really helpful. And then they don't make a change because they didn't change their mindset and they didn't realize it's not easy. You've got to keep working at that. So three elements, mindset, skill set, and sustaining the gains must happen. And most organizations miss at least one, usually two elements. And then they sit there and they complain that their dollars were wasted. And that's how we've been able to impact because we impact those three areas. You know, I, I mentioned rehearsal. They're one of our new sponsors. Of course, this is very similar to the idea that they talk about, that you can take a new skill, you can teach somebody that skill. 90 to 120 days later, most of it's worn off or forgotten or it's not been implemented. And I suspect it's for the very same reason. You know, the average business individual recognizes when we make a decision, we probably ought to tell people about it rather than just implement it and not send anybody anything. Or in a lot of cases, they just send an email, which is got only knows the worst possible thing you can do, but they 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 don't. I mean, how how difficult is it to get people to sustain that mindset change? And I agree with that. That's that's the thousand dollar question. Well, here's the thing: after a training or consulting or whatever aspect that you're trying to um, impact, you know, whoever you've hired or however it's being done, the biggest thing is. After you start moving forward, you know, I've learned a lot from the U.S. military, and there's so much written about, you know, what the military can learn from the corporate world. But I actually think that it's the opposite. Imagine this, Kelly, and then I'll share with you how this kind of ties in. Imagine I said, I know of an organization that has over a million employees, and it's the best in the world. Would you want to study them? And, of course, everybody would say yes. That's the U.S. military. And one of the things I've learned among many things, having worked with the military, they have a great quote called, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. No plan survives first contact with the enemy. So meaning that no matter how well we plan, no matter what we do, once we hit the ground, we expect there to be problems and challenges, and we've got to change and empower people to make the changes, right? So that seems simple. Well, okay, so the corporate world is doing it. No, they're not. And here's the proof. Positive. They launch a change, and then there's problems, and employees start to go, see, just like typical other changes, and and nothing's happened, and now there's problems. But the solution was if those executives thought about that ahead of time, anticipated the changes, and then anticipated there were going to be problems, and then built that and baked that into the plan when they're actually hitting the ground running, significant difference. So, for example, just like salespeople, right? You, you can plan for the greatest sales meeting, but when you get in there, it's so important to be present to what's going on so that you can make the changes. You can't just follow a script and expect everything to work out perfectly. So, as you know, the best salespeople 
spend more time listening than they do talking because then they can make adjustments on the fly. So whether it's a salesperson or a corporation, a big project or a small project, we need to really plan that they're going to be problems and actually then make those changes. He's Stephen Gaffney joining me as we talk about the myths of communication. We're going to get into some of those. One of those you've already mentioned, Stephen, that is we, we believe that communication happened and it really didn't. People tend to think that way all the time. I'm reminded of what John Cotter wrote in his seminal book, Leading Change. He said that in any change initiative, we tend to under-communicate, he said, by a factor of at least 10, sometimes as much as 100. There's this pervasive sort of idea that if I tell you once or I send you an email, surely you must have gotten it, right? <laughs> In fact, what I often joke with people is, who, defends, who, who decides clarity, sender or receiver? <laughs> yeah, that's a say, great idea. And they say, okay, receiver. And I said, yeah, so we all get this, right? How you define clarity is the person who is receiving it that they got the message. But how often have we said, I must have said this five times. I was perfectly clear. No, you were perfectly clear to yourself. <laughs> oh wait that's starting to ring home hang on i don't know if we need to do that <laughs> ouch yeah i step all over my toes well it's it's obviously a real challenge when you go into these organizations and by the way as an aside 100 percent agree with you with regards to the military because the military is made up of people clearly they can fail in certain instances but if anybody knows how to do it better than anybody else it's clearly the military they've had 200 years of opportunity 250 years of opportunity under the worst sets of circumstances these guys know how to build teams doesn't mean people can't fail but when you when you go into an organization and they have these kinds of issues how do you create that systemic change i i suspect it takes time and repetition is it is there more to it than that well, there's many things that people need to do, but the most important thing is to start at the top or as close as the top as you can because leadership sets the tone. Now, we all know that, but how often have you heard somebody or a leader say, look, I want open communication. I want to hear what you have to say. Oh, yeah, please. And then employees <laughs> give them feedback that they don't like and they start to flip out, get defensive, you not give people the time of day or not use what the information that they're hearing. And what employees start to hear is, you know, they say they want open communication, but they don't really want that. Then they get shut down. And then suddenly an organization has surprised and blindsided by issues that they should have known about. I mean, look at the GM ignition switch. I'm not personally brought in on that situation, so I don't know what's happening there. But if it's like many situations that I've seen, there's information within the organization. But the question is, are leaders creating the safety, which is so critical to speak the truth? You know, this is true even on one-to-one -one communication. So if a salesperson is uh, listening or watching this, they're saying, well, how does that apply? Your number one objective, our number one objective, is to make people feel safe. If they feel safe, they'll tell us the truth. So what's really important is that leaders that, and we're all leaders to some extent, we lead our boss, we lead our coworkers, we lead our employees, we need to create that safety that makes a huge difference and then people will speak the truth. And then we can actually move out accordingly and produce significant results. You can find all of Stephen's work at stephengaffney.com. By the way, he is the, the TV guy. I mean, he actually does a TV show, and he does a wonderful blog on uh, video, by, this, by the way. So you want to make sure you find that, stephengaffney.com. I had that very thing happen to me very early in my career, Stephen. You'll love this story. Uh, I was uh, one of the regional or divisional sales managers in a Northpeda company, and the boss brought us all in to decide how to fix some issues inside of customer service. So we met 
for almost a solid day, mapped everything out, figured out exactly what would work for us on the sales side, got it all planned out. We couldn't have been more excited. So he comes in late in the day. I understand you guys have got this thing wired up for me. Explain to me how it's going to work. So we start explaining. And I kid you not, three minutes in, he's like, okay, stop, stop, stop. That's not going to work. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought my head was going to explode, right? Uh, yeah, hey, next time you need something, make sure you call us, right? But, but that's, not un that's not uncommon, is it? Absolutely. And, you know, I have a lot of people who take my sessions and they apply results at home because they realize that they want that open communication. But suddenly they realize their kids aren't talking to each other, their spouse isn't talking to each other, talking to them. And, and they realize that it's, it's really getting defensive. And so what we do is mm -hmm. we say we want open communication. But the question is, are people really speaking the truth? So people might say, well, how do I know? There's many health indicators of a relationship, team or organization. But one of the most important factors is that there's positive debate. In other words, first of all, let's take the debate side. If people are not debating you, if you're not having arguments at home or at work, there's a problem. Now, people say, wait, 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 wait. Did he say that arguments? Absolutely. Because as President Johnson once said, if nobody's arguing, only one person is thinking, or I would say is saying the truth. So I sit there through a lot of meetings, and it's like watching paint dry because nobody's willing to engage. Or they have a whole bunch of briefings, and what a waste of time. The idea of meetings, the idea of interaction is to have a healthy debate. So one sign that we are going to have problems in our life, believe it or not, is if we don't have arguments, if we don't have discussions. Because what that means is that people are not feel comfortable to tell us the truth. And so that's key. And then the positive part of the positive debate is that sometimes people do debate, but it's all negative debate. It's like that person saying, look... You ask me how, what I think, I'll tell you. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And you're like, eventually, get away. Because what they're <laughs> missing is they're not giving us ideas. So it's anybody can tear down anything. But the question is, are we willing to engage and then give people the ideas? And that's really significant. So we've got to look for positive debate. And if we're not having that, there's a train wreck waiting, waiting to happen. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, you're listening to Biz Locker Radio. We're going to take our first time out. We're going to come back on the other side, and we'll continue with Stephen Gaffney. This is the converse, This is the show, rather, with compelling conversations, useful content you can use to change the way you do your business each and every day. Listen, if you're not learning something from this show, turn us off. But I can assure you, go back and listen to some of the past shows and the content, including a couple of past shows with my friend Stephen Gaffney. You're going to find out a lot of things. I know that I've learned a lot about communication just going back and listening to those things. We're going to come back on the other side. We'll share with you some of the myths of communication. Of course, one of the primary ones is we, we think that we're actually communicating and we're not. And we'll do that on the other side. Later in the show, my buddy from Miles, uh, from Stephen, uh, Seattle, Miles Austin will join us. We'll do the X's and O's segment. Today, we're going to talk about where you can get all these free, high quality, high definition pictures that you need on your website and your blog and all that. I mean, he's got a whole list of these to share. That's good stuff. I'm excited to do that as well. Stay with us. We'll be back on the other side. I'm Kelly Riggs. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. Absolutely great to have you with us as we restart, because a Biz Locker Radio, one of the great things about it, I've made a lot of really close friends in doing this. I met some of the very best thought leaders in the country, John Spence, who brought us back in the rejoin. He's one of those guys, got a fabulous book called Awesomely Simple. You want to make sure you check it out. My guest today is Stephen Gaffney at stephengaffney.com. Follow him on Twitter at Stephen underscore Gaffney, and you want to keep, catch up with him and make sure you're checking out all of his video work that he does on his blog. We're talking about myths, Stephen, and I, I love that one. The, the first one is we really think we're communicating. We don't have a, have a clue. How, how do people react? I mean, you know, this is, this is what kills me about communication. Do you guys have communication problems? Oh, yeah, we, we, we have serious communication problems. So what role do you play in the communication problem? What? What? <laughs> is, this, how do you, how, is that a self-awareness issue? Or, I mean, do they pick up on it pretty quick? How do you, how do you deal with that? Oh, you're so right, though. People are like, yeah, we have communication issues. They're not communicating. (laughs) Yeah, it's their fault. (laughs) How how do you break through that kind of barrier when you run into it? Well, the first thing is to realize that uh, nobody, we can't control anybody other than ourselves. And so change starts with ourselves, right? So that seems kind of obvious. But my two favorite historical examples to show you the difference you can make no matter what level you're at is Gandhi and Martin Luther King. Now, here's why I choose them. Gandhi and Martin Luther King never held any official position of power. They never were elected to, uh, you know, they weren't presidents of their countries or our country, whatever. And yet they changed the world. So my point is this. I'm not asking people to change the world, but I'm saying you can change your world by focusing on the most important thing you can focus on, and that is yourself. So, for example, let's say you work with um, a difficult, challenging customer or a difficult boss or a difficult employee. The question isn't why they're so difficult. The question is, what are you going to do about it? And people often will typically say, you know what, I just need a different boss or I just need a different customer and employee. Mm-hmm. Well, you can keep changing other people, but sooner or later, you've got to say to yourself, how am I going to deal with it? So if you have a micromanager customer... You can find a new customer, but why not learn the strategies that are so easy, and they are easy, to deal with somebody who micromanages and turn them into somebody who won't micromanage. There are so many strategies that I've taught that have changed people's lives, but the reason, the way I'm able to do this is by focusing on the person they can do something about, and that's themselves. And then it comes right. down to those three areas, mindset change, skill set change, and sustaining the gains. Man, you, I mean, you opened up a big can of worms. This is one that comes up a lot, and it is, man, my, when are you going to train my boss? My boss is a micromanager. <laughs> he or she all kind of problems and issues, that kind of thing. I need help with that. Well, of course, what I tell them is what, you, what you've taught me. I can't change them, 
I can change you. But Stephen, what what can that employee do to to make that a better relationship and kind of take some of that heat off from that micromanaging boss? So let's yeah, let's use micromanagement as a, as a key. Um, uh, what you can do is say to yourself, well, micromanagement, sorry, I just lost the video on you, Kelly, so I hope okay, you're no worries. Are you there. Yeah, we're still live on the radio, so you, you can okay, roll. so I just want to make sure. All right, so what you can do is focus on the number one cause of micromanagement, and that's fear. Fear that things aren't going to turn out well. So here's what I first say to people. We've all micromanaged. There's not anybody who I've never met who's not micromanaged something. We micromanage when we're afraid something's not going to turn out and we need to try to control the situation. So the way to deal with this is to help somebody reduce their fear. But people do the opposite. They say, well, that person's micromanaging. So you know what? I'm not going to return their calls or I'll return their call eventually or I won't respond to their email. But that makes their fear worse. If instead you're more open, you say to people, listen, if you're afraid or micromanager boss, listen, I'll meet with you every day. I mean, it's going to be hard to get my other work done, but if that's what you want, I will do. And when they sense you're not being resistant and produce results, not being resistant and produce results, their fear comes down, and then you're able to actually have a significantly different relationship. Works every time. You know how I know this, Kelly? Because I used to be a micromanager. (laughs) And I had to learn, like, what are the strategies? And I thought, why am I micromanaging? So, hi, my name is Stephen Gaffney. I'm a reformed micromanager. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Stephen. (laughs) No, that's exactly right. You know, when you start telling people, look, if you want to help your micromanaging boss, just overwhelm them with details and material and, and data and do your job like a champ, they'll love you, right? You'll have a great relationship. Yeah, and so, you know, impacting sales and things that, you know, think about it this way. When somebody wants to buy a service, they're afraid that it's not going to turn out. So they're going to ask us a lot of details. And if we start to resist this, we say, well, you know what, don't worry about it. I got it handled. People get scared. It has nothing to do with us. It has to do with their past. So what can we do is say, listen, I will share with you as long as whatever you need, as long as it's legal and ethical of what I can share. And when people sense you're not being resistant and then you produce results, you deliver on what you say, they'll back off. And here's the reason why, because micromanagement, for example, is very time consuming. So a big part is in life, as we're all addressing, whether it's micromanaging or any of this stuff, is really sitting there and listening to the other person and getting the other person's world and trying to help them through to produce the results that they need to do. And that comes from listening more than talking. Sure. Hey, let's turn our attention to some of these myths that you've identified inside the realm of communication. This is Here's one that I really want to hear what you have to say about, and that is that you have to be diplomatic. <laughs> okay, you got my attention on that one. Why is that a myth? Well, here's the thing: is people say you need to be diplomatic, but have you ever had somebody be so diplomatic you don't even know what they're talking about? <laughs> I mean, it's like I've, I've, people walk out of meetings and said, uh, "Were you clear on what we're supposed to do?" No, no, I'm not clear either because people don't like to push it. People don't like to say, "You know what? You're not producing the results. We've got to change." They'll say, "You know, could you work a little bit harder?" Um, you may want to think a little bit more of the customer. And the person goes, okay, well, I did think about them. And then I made this decision. Where What we're really saying is, can you respond back to the customer within 24 hours? Can you make Every sure time. that an email doesn't sit more than 24 hours? That's what we're talking about. So people are so diplomatic, and especially in this political correctness stage of life that we live in, people are so scared to just tell the truth 
as long as, again, we've got to be legal and ethical about it, but sure. it's like, be clear. So what they're missing is the being specific. And so people are thinking, oh, that we need to be diplomatic. No, we need to speak the truth, be specific, and give people ideas and make requests. When you talk about not being diplomatic, really what you're saying is you've got to be very clear about your expectations. You can't leave them open to interpretation, right? Yeah, and we have to watch out for um, using trite phrases like we need to be the best we can be. Let's be all team players. People have the blah, 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 blah. What do you want? Well, where a leader says, this is what I do think, is that you have certain things that are negotiable and non-negotiables. So a non-negotiable may be a certain goal or target that we need to hit. It's non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. 20% mm -hmm. improvement in our profits or whatever, 10% or 10% increase in sales, or this is the dollar amount, that's non-negotiable. How we get there, again, as long as it's legal and ethical, it's sure. up to you. And then what people then they understand is that clarity of that message. Now they know what to do. And here's the other thing I've realized, is that when people are clear, we respect people. Because if you've ever thought about it, when somebody tells the truth to you, and even if you don't like the truth, you always respect that more than somebody who's beating around the bush, not sharing what they need to say, and then you find out later that they just didn't tell you what was on their mind. But you will respect them, or we tend to respect them, that they speak the truth even if we don't like it, because we think, you know what, they're at least treating us with respect and being admirable by being clear on what they're thinking. Stephen, these are absolutely invaluable skills for any manager, any leader who, who, who needs to elicit different types of performance out of employees. Why is it that companies don't train their people? I mean, it's, it's a shock to me that the, the real place we lose traction is the middle manager who's got six, eight employees uh, uh, that, that they're responsible for, that report to him or her directly and they don't have the first idea how to provide useful performance feedback to elicit truthful feedback from their people. I mean, it's amazing. Why don't companies train their people? Well, see, I have found that really the best companies do. So, you know, we have Marriott, we've had, we've had uh, we, I mean, obviously, Barrett Gold is an one gold producer company in the world. They've been a client of ours. And you look across the spectrum, SAC, Lockheed, you know, and then I said the Marines, uh, you know, the military, including the Marines, the Navy, the Air Force. The best organizations in the world realize that this is really the key problem, and we need to be training them. So I actually think that the best companies recognize it, build it in, and they realize it's a work in progress. The worst companies just think, you know what, we're, we're never going to get this done, or it's a problem, but we're just going to deal with it, or it's not that big a problem. It actually is the biggest problem. In fact, lack of honest communication is responsible for 80% of workplace problems, 80%. Wow. And when you think about it, it's the problem isn't what people say, it's what they don't say to each other, back to my earlier message. So the best companies realize this is the problem, and this is why we tend to work with Kelly, and it just sounds like I'm saying this in the interview, but if you can look up our, 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 our you know, website, tracker, or whatever, but we work with the best companies because they realize this. The best leaders realize that we have to keep working at it. The worst leaders just don't want to deal with this. Right. Or it's a one and done kind of thing, right? Stephen Gaffney is my guest. If you're joining me on Blab or you're joining us on uh, live radio or hearing the podcast for the first time, you can find Stephen at stephengaffney.com. Follow him on Twitter at Stephen underscore Gaffney. And again, he's got so much great material there on, on his website. One of the other myths that you talk about, and boy, if, if you haven't heard this one in, in the world of management, you probably haven't been managing very long. But we've always been told, Stephen, you got a sandwich uh, what you really want to say between between two compliments, right? You compliment them, 
then you say the real deal, then you compliment them again. You just eat that one alive. Why is that? Well, this is because it's so incredibly manipulative. Like, nobody knows this. In fact, I always like to joke <laughs> people. You know, have you ever had somebody say, you know, Kelly, I really appreciate all the work you're doing. You're just waiting for the butt. You're waiting right. for the person yeah, to say right. what's next. And so what people do is they say, well, you know what, the, I, I'm going to sandwich what I really want to say between two compliments. You know, I pr- really appreciate all the work you're doing, but what I wanted to tell you is this, and thank you for working with me. People yeah, know exactly great. what the case is. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> now, it was taught years ago, and maybe years ago when people aren't as savvy as they are now, and I do believe people are savvier than ever because the access to the Internet, training, YouTube, all the stuff that you can get – um, that people are really sensitive, and that's why there's been such an uptick in our work, which is essentially, uh, whether it's our work or somebody's work, about speaking the truth. So here's what you got to do. When you're having a tense conversation, a tough conversation, get to the point first. Share what's the objective. Go through having a fact-based conversation. And then at the end of the conversation, you can say, listen, you know, Kelly, I really appreciate how you've listened to me and how we've talked this through. I feel really good about it. And you know what? Even if we didn't solve it all, I can say, look, we took the very first step and discussed it. My point is appreciation is fantastic, but we need to put it at the end of the conversation, not sandwich it. And the other thing we need to think about, and this is big, is appreciate people and, and, and communicate that as a standalone message. We tend to appreciate people when we need something. So let this Thanksgiving uh. be the time we need to thank people separate, not like tied it into anything else where now we need to say, you know what? I really appreciate you working with me. It's been great. Period. Not, but now what I really want to tell you is this. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, 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 they're just waiting there. They got their eyes open. They're looking at you, right? And then you don't say anything. You're like, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. You know, that, that's another piece of communication I think thoroughly is overlooked. We, we talk about telling the truth, direct feedback, but how many managers, particularly in my experience, Stephen, male managers, we, I don't know what it is. We just seem to have more trouble being honest in, in, man, here comes a word that men, men hate, vulnerable, but it's very difficult to look another man in the eye and really give him a valid, well thought out, deep sort of uh, encouragement or recognition with, without, without creating some issues internally. Why is that? I mean, why, why can't we do that more effectively? You know, people often talk about gender differences and, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there, but this may sound a little bit counterintuitive. My advice is to not go there, and here's the reason why. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to speak my mind and share a, real, a specific example about something along these lines. Years ago, there was a book called uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. You know, right, and the essential true. thing was men want to fix things and women want to be heard, right? right men want right. to fix it, get it done. Women want to be heard. Sounds simple. But here's the problem at work. If, as a man, if a woman walks in and I say, I feel your pain, talk to me. And then, and then I see a man, you know, comes up to me and I say, okay, let's fix it. Let's try to take care of things. I just treated a man differently than a woman, which is a big problem in the workplace. What's much, yeah. much better to do? It's much better is to just say, look, did, to either um, gender, you know, did you want to fix things or did you want to just, want to just vent? You know, yeah, just absolutely. ask the person. So even this whole vulnerability angle, it's a little bit touchy. He, what I do think is that there's standard good communication that doesn't matter whatever the gender is. And that's how we've been able to produce results. So sure. going back to an early one with appreciation, especially in this time of Thanksgiving, 
there's um, 10 key leadership factors that I've been able to figure out that actually has people have tremendous charisma. There's 10. And one of them is how we make people feel good about themselves, not yes. how, they, how good they feel about us as a leader, but how we make other people feel good about themselves. And that deals with compliments and going back and compliments are good to do regardless of the gender. It's really, really important to do. Yeah, absolutely. No, my only comment and only observation about gender is that women seem to have a little more comfort level in giving compliments and recognition. Most men, I mean, all we've got, Stephen, is high five. You know, give me some of that right there. You know? <laughs> That's all I got for you. Whereas to look somebody in the eye and tell them how much you genuinely appreciate their work without the butt and, the, you know, the things that follow at the end and what I really want. It's, it's just very hard to find. I, I don't know why, but there seems to, to, to be a, a real weakness there in the workplace. When I tell people, look, I mean, that's the most powerful leadership tool you have at your disposal. When Absolutely. people feel valued, it's amazing what they're capable of doing. Would you agree? Yeah, and what you're talking about earlier, even about the vulnerability, whether we're looking at the genders, no matter what, it's a good strategy to be vulnerable and at least share what's on our mind. If we're not vulnerable in some capacity, we're not going to let people in. I mean, you know, when you have a wall up, a wall works both ways. Nothing get, or little gets out, but also little gets in. And I've had mm -hmm. to work with people, and I've said, you know what? Just start being more vulnerable. Give it a trial. Say what you really need, because that's a form of vulnerability, and see sure. how the world treats you. And what you're generally going to find is people really respect vulnerability. What they don't respect is people who hide out, and we don't tend to connect with people who are very stoic. So we do need to connect, and part of connection is being vulnerable. And one of the best ways leaders and people can connect is by sharing stories where we were unsuccessful, you know, what we learned in life. You know, and I've, I've had a, a tremendous amount of failure and challenges in my life, but, I, you know, I learned a great deal from them sure. and were able to come back from that, whether it's a health situation, whether it was a work situation, which I didn't have the right strategy or whatever, but I learned all this stuff. And so sharing that vulnerability lets us know we're all in this together. It's not easy, but the good news is there's so many strategies that produce significant results, but it comes from being vulnerable because the worst lies we ever tell are the lies we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's the one where we, we, oh, I got this handled. And the little voice inside us goes, what are you kidding? You're never going to get that handled. Just like you screwed up before. And you're like, no, 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 I'm going to get it handled. And people can tell it's insincere. Right, right, right. vulnerable and try it out. Hey, just a couple of minutes before I have to cut you loose. And I know you've got things to do. Thank you for your time today joining us here on BizLocker Radio. One, one of the things I see is this direct correlation. And I don't know if it's me, because that's why, that's why I'm going to ask you, is I see a direct correlation between people who claim that they have an open-door policy and their communication sucks. <laughs> is, is that me, or do you find that to be the case, too? Well, I've never actually thought about it that way. But here's what I have been able to figure out is that open-door policies are a waste of time. And here's the reason why, because what we have then is the worst kind of meetings in the world, and this is the number one killer of time wasted in the workplace, got-a-minute meetings. Hey, Kelly, you got a minute, you got open door. And so what you're trying to do is work, but you shift back and forth. If you say I'm in the middle of something, they say, ha, he said open door policy, but it's not really open door. What right. we need to do is build up other strategies. And plus, it's also an open door policy. It creates the pressure on that employee to walk in our office. And some people can be scary. This is why the best admirals, generals, and CEOs I've ever worked with spend a lot of time going to visit and, and other people's world and other people's offices and other areas and check in, and then they spend more time listening and checking in than transmitting. They're the kind of people that will walk around and say, so how are you doing? 
Is there anything we can be doing to be um, better in, our, in the organization? And they just spend time listening. They have focus groups where they're just listening. Those are really key. But if the way we're primarily delivering it is by creating an open-door policy. It puts a lot of pressure on that employee, and it's scary. And plus, it creates so many interruptions anyway. Absolutely right. Hey, he's Stephen Gaffney, and he is the uh, foremost recognized expert on open, honest communication. Before we cut you loose, Stephen, tell us about your latest book. Yeah, the latest book is called Be a Change Champion. Be a Change Champion. It's on the 10 most important factors to keeping up the momentum of any change. It's the only book out there that is dedicated to keeping up the momentum of a change. You can read that and know how to keep up the energy, the excitement, and really move forward so the uh, change produces the results. So here's the thing I wanted to share with folks. If they email you or email me that they've used something out of what we've talked about, I will send them the very first book I ever wrote for free called Just Be Honest. It's one of our biggest selling books, and I'll send it to them for free, the electronic version. And all they need to do is say they did something. So if they thank somebody this Thanksgiving, send us an email. That covers it because we talked about appreciation. I just want to make the world a little bit better. Sounds, you know, whatever. Really <laughs> being vulnerable. But it's, I want to produce a little bit of results. And part of it is listening and applying what we're talking about. Absolutely. His email is Stephen with a V. Stephen at StephenGaffney.com. Hey, man, I can't thank, thank you enough. Absolutely great stuff. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for having me. All right, Stephen Gaffney, we're going to come back on the other side. I'll be joined by my good buddy, Miles Austin. We're going to do the X's and O's segment, and we're going to talk about another great productivity tool. This time, we're talking about places where you can find world-class, high-definition pictures that you can use on your website and your blog and all those kinds of things. Hey, you not have to pay for them. That's the best part. You're listening to BizLocker Radio. I'm Kelly Riggs. Find us at bizlockerradio.com. We're going to take a time out. We'll come back on the other side. Stay with us. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. As I take a drink, and we're live on Blab, by the way. Hey, you want to jump on Blab, man? This is absolutely the greatest thing ever. Thanks to Stephen Gaffney for joining me on Blab. We do it each and every week here on Biz Locker Radio. It's brought to you by the Business Locker Room, and it's also brought to you by our good friends at Rehearsal. Rehearsal.com. It, th- this is a, a platform, a video platform, to, that provides a safe place to practice communication with customers and colleagues. 
gives you the opportunity to do role play, something salespeople absolutely need to do, don't ever do, do it poorly when they do try to do it, and they shy away from it because they're insecure around their own peers. Well, Rehearsal.com, special thanks to Jeff Curlis and Derek Volpa and the guys over there for providing a platform that you can use with your team. Trust me, this is a fabulous product. I'm using it now in my consulting practice. You're going to want to use it. If you've got a sales team of any kind, you're going to want to check it out. It's easy. It's incredibly cost-effective. You can find them at Rehearsal.com. Miles Austin is my guest. We move into the X's and O's segment of BizLocker Radio. Miles Jones is almost every single week. Find him at FillTheFunnel.com. Follow him on Twitter at Miles Austin. Miles, my brother, how are you? I'm doing fine, buddy. How about you? Well, if you're watching on Blab, Miles' head's on fire. So (laughs) you want to check that out. Uh, Billy Bob Brigman jumps in and says, Miles Austin is great to follow on Twitter. Billy Bob, I wouldn't go that far. Okay, don't get crazy. Uh, Just make sure you follow at Kelly Riggs as well. No, really, great to have you. Miles is super fantastic. He's probably why we have as uh, much traffic as we do on this show. We have great guests, but Miles, is the uh, he's the weekly constant. Hey, we've got something kind of cool on tap this week. And when you told me what you wanted to talk about, I was really excited. It's where where do I find those high definition, high quality, great pictures that everybody uses on their websites and their blog posts, but I can get them for free? Tell us tell us about that. Absolutely. Look, there's there's literally probably a hundred plus websites that are free. Wow. Um, what I yes, I did not know that. I mean, there were a I knew there were a few, but a hundred. Gee, many Christmas. Yeah, there, there's an unlimited amount. And so what I tried to do in prep for today's show is to say, look, there's um, what I like about several of these is they all, many of them have different themes to them as an example. And um, several of them that I actually subscribe to, I get a feed every week from them that said, here's the new photos we've added since last week. So I can open up the email and kind of just scan through real quickly. And it's amazing. There's times when I see a photo that drives the content that I'm going to write about in my next blog post. Or, sure. or as an example, I was working on a presentation that goes live tomorrow, a video um, about change. And I thought, man, I was just struggling, not with the, the words and the content, but the images and the imagery to share in a presentation with an audience. I literally went to these several of these, and I just typed in change and, and the challenges of that, et cetera. There's a couple other keywords like it. And I filled up probably 40 slides of free, high-quality, like you said, high-def images that it, I, I had no other source for them. And I used to buy these things for a buck or two or $5 a piece, um, and, and that gets old pretty quickly. Right. Absolutely, it does. Well, yeah, I know that you do this for a living. This is a big part of your practice and the kind of things that you advise people on and when they're setting up their websites and their blogs and those kinds of things. It seems pretty obvious, but I'm sure you have at least some data or some anecdotal experience. How important is the right picture when you're talking about your websites or your blogs? You know, Kelly, what you just said is really interesting because honestly, the right question isn't what's the right image, but it is an image. Visuals are how a big portion of our society learns and it catches our attention. Communication is significantly increased and retention 
if there's an image involved, right? It could be a video, could be an image, or some combination of all of them. And then mm -hmm. we add sound, and then we add the written content, and now you've got a full package for training, for learning, for public speaking, whatever it might be. So the real issue is use images, period. And once you get that into your brain and you start really focusing on how do I incorporate images into pretty much everything I do, then you'll find pretty quickly you're starting to run out of images you might have of your own that maybe you have on your hard drive or that you've taken. And now you think, okay, I don't want to be, I don't want to hold myself back or hold my message back because I don't have an image. So I think when we go through some of these that we're going to share, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of images uh, that are beautiful. And uh, it's just a matter of grabbing one. Um, as I said, sometimes it can simply be a, a, a scene of a landscape or maybe a view of the ocean. That might not have anything specifically to do with maybe a, a tech topic or a leadership topic, but maybe you're just talking about vision. And now you've got this beautiful view you can see for miles of an ocean landscape. Pretty effective when you're trying to get that message across. Yeah, it's good stuff. Hey, if you're joining us on Blab, Miles Austin is my guest. Follow him at Miles Austin. And his website, which is even better, is fillthefunnel.com. All kinds of great information there. Miles is the guy that's training people like me and like others like me on how to use these tools to be more productive in our practices or as salespeople, as managers, as leaders. You want to make sure that you follow him as well. And we do this every Monday. We do it at 3 o'clock Central, 1 o'clock Pacific, which is where my buddy Miles is out in the Pacific Coast. Every single Monday, and he, we do the X's and O's segment. Well, Miles, you know, we, we talk about pictures and we talk about these sites. Give our guests some of the ideas, and then I'll tell them where they can go find a bigger list. Perfect. Let me give you a couple that I go to pretty much every day, honestly. In fact, they're usually open browsers for me. Uh, one of them is a, a site called Unsplash. Uh, and it's just, they have a lot of, um, a lot of, natural nature scapes, if you will. Beautiful, beautiful photos from honestly all over the world, places I wish I could go, but I've never gone. Sure. But there's a lot of those and a lot of, they're all high def. They're usually very wide images. So it works really well from a website standpoint, etc. The other one that I have that is one of those subscription things, you don't have to sign up for it, but they, if you give them your email address, they mail you every week. And it's a site called Gratisography. So like gratis, like thank you, ography. And what I like about this is they've got the strangest taste in photos. They've got, <laughs> they found some of the goofiest looking people in some of the most awkward scenarios you could ever imagine. And I love them for that reason. It's like, wow, you got some guy blowing a bubble and he's kind of a funny looking guy, kind of like me probably anyway, but he's got this massive bubble. And then a couple of pictures later, that bubble popped, and so you could build a sequence of communications, and it's just a lot of fun. So those two I use quite a bit. Um, another one, and I, I know you're going to share with everyone, you're going to get all the list. I think there's like 15 or 16 of them on this list but that Kelly's going to share with you. But another one that I get a lot of value out of is something called New Old Stock. Sometimes I was just, an example, talking about automation of your sales and your marketing process. And in my mind, I had an image of an old manufacturing plant, like maybe a Ford assembly plant back in the early days or, you know, some kind of a bunch of machines just putting bottles together or something. And I found a whole wealth of information at New Old Stock. And the link, again, Kelly's going to share with you. It's, it's actually a, 
uh, an unusual link for Townsend.co, but it's a bunch of old photos. And I'll tell you, and a lot of times they're black and white. And many times, again, you're looking for an image that conveys emotion and conveys the message you're trying to deliver. And a black and white, old-fashioned photo um, can be a very powerful communication tool. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, we're going to tell you where you can find a list of, as, as Miles mentioned, about 15 different websites. Uh, I'll give you the link to that in just a few moments on bizlockerradio.com. You know, uh, it, it's it's interesting when you start to talk about pictures and how they impact people. And it's amazing. Uh, there's a lot of data out there, Miles, that suggests now on Twitter and LinkedIn that the right picture actually will induce people to actually engage with you. And there are still a lot of people out there that are writing good articles, but they're not using those images. And now it's it's there's really no excuse for that, right? I mean, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to get these free, royalty-free images that really can induce people to engage with you. There is. Look, again, I, I call it lazy. And I, you know, I'm blunt sometimes like that. But if you don't have images, first of all, you're missing a big chunk of the communication opportunity. Second of all, I just want to make a real quick point. These are all free that we've talked about. Um, I would still encourage you, though, in many cases, there is a link or a uh, an attribution of the name of the photographer. And I try everywhere I can online on a web, I'll usually use it as an alt tag or something, where I want to give recognition and uh, attribution to that artist. Um, I've got a photographer as a son, and I, I know how hard they work at these mm -hmm. things. So, you know, even if the photo is free and they're sharing them openly, it doesn't hurt to say, hey, this came from bobjones.com or something. It's just a great way to kind of help them spread and share their wealth and their talent. Hey, Miles, some people are listening to this, and they may be thinking, I, I, I don't really know what you mean. What, how, how do I give them credit, and how would that show up? Do I have to put it as a caption underneath? I don't, I don't know how to do that. So you mentioned alt tag. Explain to, to people listening what that is. Well, you, um, great question, Kelly. And, and when you add a, an image to a website, there's, there's two things that are automatically provided. There's uh, the name, the file name, let's say. And yes. so always make that descriptive for SEO purposes and things. And then there's a, another um, section, right, usually right below it or a couple down below, that's called alt text. And that's designed to put in something that is the description of what you're looking at. So if a browser isn't able for some reason or it's a slow connection and they're not grabbing the image, it's a great way to do it. And remember that still today with all this great technology, search engines can't read and interpret an image. So right. what the search engine grabs is that alt or alternate but alt text line. That's what they know. They now know that this is an image of a 1956 Chevy car. Otherwise, Google won't know that, but it helps you with SEO, etc. You bet. And, and there's a lot of sites uh, that you go on and you hover over an image and it'll pop up just automatically something that, that somebody's provided there, like this picture is a copyright picture of a certain year, a certain photographer, that kind of thing. How do you, how do you get that on your pictures? Um, it, it depends on what the platform is. If it's on the web and you've added alt tags, in most cases, it's going to be able to be available for you. Okay. Um, as an example, in PowerPoint, I always have it on the very bottom of every slide I do. In most cases, sometimes I get in a rush, but... It might be very small and hardly readable, but if someone opens that and they go down and they want to find more, it's right there, either there or in the notes tied to that PowerPoint or that Haiku deck that I use. 
Yeah, so you're tra- you're doing everything you can to make sure that people get recognized for the work that they do, and I, I just think that's the professional way to do things to acknowledge the people that have provided the help for us, especially when it's absolutely free. Hey, you mentioned Haiku Deck, and I know Canva's out there as well. A couple of really cool tools that actually do provide some free pictures as well. Why don't you mention those? Yeah, I mean, obviously Canva's a great one. It's just kind of a photo editor. I used Haiku Deck um, about two weeks ago for a presentation I was doing in Washington in D.C. And I built my entire deck in PowerPoint, no images. It was just black text, the key words of each text. So I like to use a, um, a word and just talk to it rather than provide the text. Um, and it was white background, black text. It was all it was was a keyword. I imported into a tool over at Haiku Deck. It went in. It loaded them up into their tool. It went through its extensive database and found an image that they thought best matched every one of those keywords. I love I changed that feature. Two images out of about fifty. I load. I changed two images out of them. So it what would have taken me hours and hours and hours took me less than an hour to get the whole thing done. Yeah, I love that feature in Haiku Deck. Just put in a keyword; it'll suggest a bunch of picks for you, folks. These are some fabulous tools. If you're doing presentation work, whether it's to a customer or you're just doing uh, speeches or presentations that require visuals. Really, the mark of a professional, Miles, I'm sure you would agree with this, is the quality of the images that you're using and how you actually integrate those into your slides. Absolutely so. Images are important. They communicate as much, if not more, than your words or your, um, your printed words or your spoken words. So use images. And really quickly, Kelly, before I go, I just want to explain to people why I've got fire going on behind me. <laughs> uh, if All I would encourage you, if you're on Blab, um, just search for Firestarter. Kelly is, in fact, uh, one of those that's going to be participating starting November 30th. We're running a series. It's a 12-minute video every day for the month of December. And I ask some very well-known, really sharp people across many different disciplines, what do you do and how do you start your day? So how to fight, how to start that fire every morning. So I encourage you to do it. That's the reason the fire is going. I've got some testing. We're doing some setup stuff today. So Firestarter's on Blab. Just search for Firestarters and you'll learn a lot. We're going to have 30 plus people out there uh, sharing their how to get started every morning. Uh, that's good stuff. Hey, I mentioned I'd give you that link. Go to bizlockerradio.com. Find today's session with Stephen Gaffney. It's called The Myths of Communication. Click on that link. Go to the show page and down at the bottom you'll find X's and O's with Miles Austin. You'll find a complete link of all those things. Hey, Miles, appreciate it so much we'll see you in a couple of weeks hey next week we'll be doing a replay of a new of a show we've done in the past we're back live on december the 7th looking forward to doing that again you can find us at bizlockerradio.com and you want to go and find all of our past shows and our new shows coming up looking forward to having a great show with pete walter who's with dealwiththemedia.com on december 7th thank you to michael surgit he's our engineer he makes us sound a lot better than we really are and i look forward to seeing you next time here on bizlocker radio Thanks for tuning in to Biz Locker Radio with Kelly Riggs. For more compelling interviews and cutting-edge business content, make sure you join us here again next week. Biz Locker Radio airs every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 3 p.m. Central Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Biz Locker Radio is presented by the Business Locker Room. All rights reserved. Opinions expressed by guests on the show may not be the opinions of Business Locker Room Incorporated.